Hallelujah. Are we awake? Hallelujah. Amen. Um, before I begin, I would just like to appreciate our pastors here, uh, Pastor Madaf and Pastor Sunga, for allowing me this opportunity to stand before you. Amen. I don't take it lightly. It's a great thing to be entrusted with standing before the podium. So I just want to appreciate our pastors. Uh, we are truly blessed in KICC Malawi to be under the leadership of such amazing pastors. Amen. We can just give them a clap just to appreciate our pastors. So, for the past few weeks, uh, Pastor Macduff has been taking us through an incredible series about the authority of our prayer and faith. Amen. And I don't know about you guys, but that series changed my life. It was like, as I was sitting there listening to the series, like a light bulb switched on in my mind. Amen. About what I'm capable of achieving in my spiritual life. Amen. And what I really got from that series is that the Lord is calling us into a season of more spiritual depth. Amen. A season of more spiritual depth that the Lord is asking us to go deeper in our spiritual lives. Amen. A season of more spiritual abundance. Amen. He's calling us not only to scratch the surface as Christians, just to scratch the tip of the iceberg, but just to be surviving in our Christianity. But he's calling us to thrive. Amen. John chapter 10 verse 10. That's where we're going to start our message this morning, John chapter 10, verse 10. This is a pretty famous verse. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. Amen. I, meaning Jesus, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. And that's the scripture that was on my heart as I was thinking about these past weeks, that Jesus is calling us into abundance. Amen. And you know, the word abundantly itself already means to go over and beyond a certain level. And then it says more abundantly. Amen. So it's like there's an expected level that we had. And then the Lord is saying that he's calling us abundantly and then more abundantly. Amen. And I just felt like this is the season that the Lord is asking us to step into. That the Lord wants us to step into a season of spiritual abundance. Amen. 2021 has been declared a year of plenty and progress. Plenty and progress, or in other words, abundance. Amen. We're in a season where the Lord wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive in his kingdom, to thrive in our personal lives. And you know, at the start of the year, when I heard the theme, plenty and progress, I think I thought about it a little bit shallow, you know. I heard plenty and progress, and I thought that what the Lord wanted to do this year was to expand my physical territories, amen? I wrote down all my resolutions. I was like, more money in the name of Jesus, a new car in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and I wrote down <laughs> all these very material things. And in June, as we were praying and fasting, the Lord told me you missed it. Amen. He told me you missed it. It wasn't just about your physical territories. It was about your spiritual territories. Amen. The Holy Spirit is ready to flex on the inside of us. That's the vision that I had. I don't know if you guys know what it means to flex. 
You know those bodybuilders when they're showing off all the hard work they've done, all the muscles they have, and they stand on the stage and they flex. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do on the inside of us this year. He wants to flex on the inside of us to show up and to show off in our lives, to show up and to show off everything he's capable to do in your lives, to show up and to show off the power that you have access to, to show up and to show off the authority you have access to. Amen. His way to flex on the inside of us. Amen. A few weeks ago, as I was in my time of prayer, the Lord asked me a challenging question. He asked me, why do you love me? Amen. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have conversations with God. Sometimes I sit down on my desk and I imagine he's sitting right next to me and we just talk. You know, like homies, we just talk. And he asked me a question, why do you love me? And immediately I started to mention all the things that he had done for me. I said, God, well, you did this for me. That time you came through for me. And then he asked me, but what if I didn't do anything for you? Would you still love me? Aside from all the miracles, aside from all the breakthroughs, could you write down what exactly it is that you love about me? I don't know if you guys could, but I was a little bit dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> it took me a few days to ponder on that question, but I was, as I was pondering that question, what I realized was God was challenging me into a deeper relationship with him. Amen. You know when you're in a dating relationship, if you're old-fashioned like me, you allow the man to pursue you, right? old-fashioned <laughs> and in the beginning of our relationship you know my husband had to work really hard to get my attention he had to put in all the efforts he was making all the phone calls he was driving to come and see me spending all the money on the dates I was just sitting there being pursued <laughs> and enjoying it amen but you know those were the early stages of our relationship for our relationship to progress to a deeper level. For our relationship to progress to where it is, there came a point where I had to start to carry my own weight in the relationship. I don't know if you guys understood that. That there came a point in the relationship for him to go deeper. I had to begin to carry my own weight. Amen. And that's what I felt that the Lord was challenging me that day. It's time to start carrying your own weight. Amen. It's time to start carrying your own weight. I've been pursuing you. I've been coaxing you. I've been giving you miracle after miracle. Breakthrough after breakthrough. Now I want you to give me something. Amen. Now I want you to love me back. I've been loving you since the beginning of time. When are you going to love me back? Not because of what I've done, but simply because of who I am. Can you love me back? Can you be committed to me too? Can I trust you? Amen. And I was imagining all those people in the Bible, David, who was called a man after God's own heart. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Not many of us can be called that. Or Abraham, who was called a friend of God. Amen. Not that God was a friend to him, but that he was a friend to God. Amen. And I felt like that's the season that the Lord was asking us to step into. To step into a season of more. A season where in our relationship with him begin to carry our own weight. Amen. He's been pursuing you, but now it's time to carry your own weight. Now it's time to give him something back. Amen. This year, the word that I felt is that the Lord is challenging us to more. Amen. And that's what I've felt since the start of this year. I just felt like every time I stepped into the church... The Lord was challenging me to more. Amen. More power. More authority. More prayer. More word. More ministry. Everything. God was demanding more. He was like, it's time to grow up. It's time for more. Amen. And I love how last week, uh, Pastor was talking about how some people are caterpillars and some people are pillars in the kingdom of God. And I thought that was such a great metaphor, you know, that the Lord wants us to be pillars in his kingdom. Pillars, amen. You know, when you think of a pillar in a building, it supports the building. It carries weight. 
And that's what I felt like that metaphor says that God wants to be able to put some weight on us. Amen. God wants to be able to trust you in this season. He wants to be able to put some weight on you and know that you're reliable. Amen. He wants to have you on speed dial whenever he wants to birth something on this earth. He wants to know that I know who I can call because I've got pillars in the kingdom who are ready to birth things on this earth for me, who are ready to pursue purpose, who are ready to pursue me. Amen. Hallelujah. The title of this message today is called Thriving in Christ. For those of us who are note takers, the title of our message is thriving in Christ. I've been praying and studying this past week and I believe that the Lord has a word for us this morning. Amen. I'd like us to turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10. We're going to read a short story there. Mark chapter 10. When you're there, say amen. Mark chapter 10, we're going to start reading from verse 46, verse 46 up to 50. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many wanted him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Amen. This is a pretty familiar story that I'm sure many of us know. The story of a blind man called Bartimaeus who had just heard about Jesus. And when he realized that Jesus was passing by, he started to call out, son of David, have mercy on me. And even though people tried to silence him, he cried out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. He finally got Jesus' attention and Jesus commanded that he be called to him. Amen. And this man did something interesting. When he was told that Jesus is calling you, he threw aside his garment. Amen. In some versions, it says that he threw aside his cloak. Right here, we find a story of a man who is in transition. Amen. A man in transition. Right in this moment, we see a man moving from a season of being blind and begging on the side of the road to being healed and being a follower of Jesus. Amen. Moving from a season where he was just surviving into a season of thriving. In verse 50, Bartimaeus gets up and he throws aside his cloak. You know... First of all, the spiritual discernment in this moment is pretty amazing. Amen. Jesus calls him and something tells him on the inside of himself that this is no ordinary call. Amen. Jesus calls him and he knows something tells him this is no ordinary call. This is a call into a new season. He gets up and he throws aside his cloak. You know, this blind man shows us something very important. The person that you had to be to survive isn't the same person you have to be to thrive. Amen. You can't show up the same way in your new season of thriving. The person that you looked like in your season of surviving isn't the same person you're going to look like in your season of thriving. Amen. Some things that took root on the inside of you need to be abandoned in order to thrive. You can't thrive while wearing the cloak of your season of surviving. Amen. Carrying the burdens of your season of surviving. 
Bartimaeus was moving from just knowing about Jesus to meeting Jesus. He was moving from just hearing about Jesus to encountering Jesus. And in his own discernment, as he understood the step he was about to take, he got up and he threw off his cloak. Because he knew, I can't show up the same way as I'm about to encounter Jesus. I can't show up the same way in this new season. I can't show up the same way to this blessing. I can't show up the same way to this new purpose. Amen. You can't show up the same way when the Lord is calling you into a season of thriving. So when the Lord is calling us to more, when the Lord is calling you to more, he's calling you to change. Amen. That's something we don't normally understand. It's a little difficult. But I understood that this year, that when the Lord is calling me to more, he's calling me to change. He's calling me to transition. Amen. He's calling me to cast aside old things and move into new things. Amen. So what exactly does this mean? It means that you can't have the same old habits when God is calling you to something new. Amen. The Lord really challenged me this year because I'm going to tell you the truth. I love to sleep. I'm happiest when I'm sleeping. Amen. I love it. <laughs> It's my happy place when I'm asleep. Of course, when my daughter was born, she already took a little bit of that away. But, you know, I tried to hold on to the little sleep that I could still get. I love to sleep. And this year when the Lord was asking me to pray more, read the word more, minister, I said, God, no, I can't do it. I don't have the time. And he said, sleep less. I was like, okay. <laughs> There are some things I had to give up, amen. I couldn't sleep nine hours a day and still pursue God the way that he wanted me to pursue him. You can't have the same old habits when God is calling you to something new. How whatever habits you have when the Lord is calling you to more, just know he's calling you to change some habits, amen. When the Lord is calling you to more, you can't have the same old friends, hallelujah. You can't keep the same circle around you because maybe that circle was only meant to help you survive. But now the Lord is calling you to thrive. So you need new friends, new people, new people in your life who are going to influence you, who are going to give you godly counsel, who are going to help you to pursue purpose. Amen. You can't keep the same old friends. You can't spend your money the same way. If you weren't tithing, you're going to start tithing. 100% of your salary is no longer yours. God is calling you to more. You're going to spend your money differently. You're going to invest in the kingdom of God. You're going to invest in the house of God. Amen. You can't spend your time the same way. Amen. If you had Saturday mornings free, now they're no longer free because you're here interceding. Amen. If you had Wednesday nights free, now they're no longer free because you're here at Faith Clinic. Amen. When the Lord is calling you to more, he's also asking you to change how you spend your time. Amen. He's asking you to not, not to pray the same. He's asking you to pray more. If you're praying for 15 minutes, you're going to pray more. If you're praying for an hour, you're going to pray more. If you're one of those who just said, thank you, Jesus, for this day, amen, you're going to pray more. Amen. When the Lord is asking you to more, you're going to have to read the word more. You're going to have to know your Bible. I started reading my Bible so much, the back cover fell off. Amen. I was opening it so much this year until it fell apart. I'm going to need to replace that. But when the Lord is calling you to more, he's asking you to read the word more. Amen. You can't remain the same while God is doing something new. It doesn't work that way. You can't have more blessings while you remain the same. You can't do more exploits while you remain the same. Your prayers can't be more effective while you pray the same. You can't minister better while you remain the same. Amen. When the Lord is calling you to more, he's calling you to change. To change everything about you sometimes. Amen. Just like blind Bartimaeus, you have to be willing to change when the Lord calls you. And I just love how quick he was to throw off this cloak. 
He didn't even think about it. The Lord called him and immediately he jumped up and just threw it off. When the Lord calls you to more, you have to be willing to change. What I would like to do today is to address this transition that has to take place. Amen. To address the process of casting aside the old cloak. It's not so simple, is it? And I'm sure each person's cloak looks different in this room. But today we're going to go through scripture to uh, delve deeper into this topic. My prayer is that this message at least enlightens you about a season of your life that maybe the Lord is challenging you to transition out of. Amen. And at most, my prayer is that somebody will be unleashed into a new season this morning. Amen. Let's begin by defining what it means to be a Christian that thrives. We find a really good definition in the book of Psalm. If you turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, we find a really good definition of what it means to be a Christian that thrives in the kingdom of God. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruits in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. In this piece of scripture, we find a really great definition of what it means to be a Christian that thrives. Thriving is to grow progressively. Amen. To be a Christian that continuously grows in God. The first thing it tells us is that a Christian that thrives finds his joy in the word of God. Amen. It says he delights in the law of the Lord. He finds his joy there. Forget about Netflix. Forget about DSTV. Give me a Bible any day. Amen. Forget about reading storybooks and novels. Give me a Bible any day because this is where I find my delight. Amen. A Christian that thrives finds his joy in the word of God. The second thing it tells us is that a Christian that thrives is planted in Christ. Amen. It says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Planted in Christ. And you know, when I thought about that concept of being planted, when a tree is planted in a certain place, it draws everything that it needs from that place. Amen. All its nutrients are drawn from that place. Being planted in Christ means that you draw everything you need from Christ. When you need encouragement, you draw it from Christ. When you need inspiration, you draw it from Christ. Whatever you need in the spirit, you draw it from Christ. Amen. The third thing it tells us is that a Christian that thrives is fruitful. Amen. Bearing fruits of the Spirit that are found in Galatians chapter 5. I learned something interesting this week. You know, when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit and he begins to dwell in us. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that happens once. Amen. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit is progressive. Amen. You receive the Holy Spirit, he dwells in you. But the extent to which you allow yourself to be led by him, to which you allow yourself to walk in his power, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's a progressive journey that we have to go through as Christians. The extent of it, amen. And that largely also depends on us, the extent of our infilling of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing it tells us is that a Christian that thrives, their leaf doesn't wither. Their leaf doesn't wither. 
It means that their life is not marked by spiritual barrenness. Spiritual productivity is their mark. They're productive in their spirit. They're productive in the kingdom of God. Amen. Their leaf doesn't wither. And the fifth thing it tells us is that a Christian that thrives is prosperous. God causes all that he does to prosper for his good. Amen. The blessed man. God causes everything that he does to prosper for his good. I mean, Psalm chapter 1 is a whole sermon on its own, but I just wanted to highlight these few things that a Christian that thrives finds his joy in the word of God. He is planted in Christ. He is fruitful in the spirit. His leaf doesn't wither. He's marked by spiritual productivity. And he is prosperous in all that he does. Amen. So, how do we move into becoming a Christian that thrives? How do we move into becoming this Christian that progresses? And one of the answers to this question is by casting aside our cloak. Amen. Casting aside our cloak and allowing the filling of the Holy Spirit to take place. Casting aside your cloak and allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit. Casting aside your cloak and walking in the power of the Spirit. Amen. I'd like us to read a small passage as well in Matthew chapter 3. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 3 verse 16. Here we see an example of Jesus and how he was led by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When he had been baptized, this is when he had been baptized by John. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. We'll continue into chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Amen. Jesus was led by the Spirit and walked in the power of the Spirit. Throughout his ministry, he healed the sick, raised the dead, overcame temptations of Satan, cast out devils, faced persecution by those who did not believe, and ultimately bore the sins of the world on the cross. All of this he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our exploits in the kingdom of God are tied to the extent to which we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your exploits in the kingdom of God are tied to how deep you go. Amen. How much more you're going to step into. How much more you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. How much deeper you're going to go with God. How much harder you're going to pray. How much more you're going to read your word. You have to go deeper if you want to be able to accomplish exploits in the kingdom of God. Amen. Allow me this morning to give a definition to what our cloak is. Our cloak, I believe, are the things we collect in this world that weigh us down. Amen. The different burdens that we carry that contend with our faith. The different burdens we carry that make it harder for us to go deeper with God. Those things in our lives that stop the Holy Spirit from being able to flex on the inside of us. Amen. That stop the infilling of the Spirit. The things that keep us spiritually barren, that keep us unfruitful in the kingdom of God. I believe that's what a cloak is. Amen. What does your cloak look like? What is it made up of? 
I couldn't possibly address everything that our cloaks are made up of in this one hour that I have. But I felt led today to focus on our feelings. Amen. Today, we're going to define our cloak as our feelings. Hebrews 12 verse 14 shows us the detrimental effect that our feelings can have on our spiritual lives. For the longest time, I never thought my feelings were really connected to my spiritual life. But when I heard this scripture, it changed my mind. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 16. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Amen. When I read this scripture, I thought to myself, so feelings have the ability to take root on the inside of us. Amen. It talks about how a root of bitterness, feelings, something that seems so trivial, and something that many times we feel justified to feel, is able to take root on the inside of us and spring up. Spring up like a plant. Spring up and bear fruit in your life. I wonder what the fruits of bitterness are. I wonder what fruits are displayed in our lives when bitterness has taken root. Amen. They take root and they spring up and they contend with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do on the inside of you. Amen. Because right there in your same soul, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling, trying to produce fruit. But right there in the same soul, you have bitterness, you have insecurity, you have shame, also trying to take root and spring up. Amen. Stopping the Holy Spirit from being able to flex on the inside of you because something other than the Holy Spirit has taken root and is springing up on the inside of you. Something as trivial as feelings. Amen. You know, there's a, a slang term which says catching feelings. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, catching feelings. It has two meanings, really. Um, the first is when you catch romantic feelings for someone, right? But here's the disclaimer. Catching feelings usually implies unwelcome romantic attachments from one of the parties. Amen. What that means is that the other person didn't do anything to provoke your feelings. <laughs> they didn't do anything to encourage any romantic feelings. But you just caught them. Amen. So maybe they walked in the room, you saw how nice they looked. Ooh, you caught feelings. <laughs> Amen. You see, um, the danger in catching feelings in this way is that usually the other person doesn't feel the same way. <laughs> so it's just you who caught feelings. Nobody else caught them. So normally catching feelings is a sure road to disappointment. Amen. The other definition of catching feelings is catching offense. Amen? And once again, it's usually in situations where the other person didn't mean to offend you, but you caught offense either way. <laughs> Amen? And I remember when I was young, there was one evening my mother cooked some noodles that day, <clears throat> and I wasn't feeling too well. And I said, you know, I'm not going to eat. Your noodles are going to make me sick. So, <laughs> big mistake. I'm a woman now, so I know don't ever criticize the woman's cooking. Just sit down and eat it quietly. <laughs> so, I said that and I saw it on her face that she caught offense. Amen. 
I mean, I didn't mean to offend her. I was just saying that I wasn't feeling very well. But I communicated to her, her food is going to make me sick, and she caught offense. Amen. You know, I also catch offense when people feel the need to comment on your weight. Why is that, Malawians? Why is that? You can't just say hello, but you need to comment on how much more weight I've put on. I catch offense every time, just know now. <laughs> if you're planning on saying it to me at some point, I catch offense. Amen. And I know that people normally say it in a way where they don't mean to offend you. It just seems like this cultural thing that just spews out of your mouth. You feel compelled that I need to tell this person that since the last time I saw them, they've put on some weight. It's not necessary because we know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's not necessary because we know. <laughs> So in those moments, I catch feelings, amen. I catch offense, even though they didn't mean to offend me. I catch it, amen. And as we go through life and we go through different experiences, we catch feelings, amen. And you know, this slang term, is, it's normally talked about in a casual way, even in a joking way. It's a lighthearted way of expressing some very real emotions that you're feeling, but sometimes, catching feelings can take a more serious form. Amen. There are some complicated feelings that we experience as humans. You know, the ones that we don't so easily shake off. The ones that change us. The ones that change our outlook on the world. The ones that contend with our faith and change how we saw God. Amen. So, in psychology... <clears throat> There are four types of basic emotions, right? Happiness, sadness, fear, and anger. These are the basic emotions. Happiness, sadness, fear, and anger. My daughter is five years old, and now she understands these basic emotions. She's able to express to me when she's feeling any one of these. When she's scared, she can tell me. When I've made her angry, she can tell me, hallelujah. I don't remember ever telling my parents I was angry with them, but this new generation is able to look you in the face and say, you've made me angry. <laughs> She's able to tell me when I've made her sad. She can differentiate that I'm not feeling angry. What I'm feeling is sad. She can also tell me when something has made her really happy. Amen. She can put a name to those emotions. But at her age... And her level of understanding. There are some emotions that she can't name, right? What I call grown-up emotions. Like embarrassment, or disappointment, or grief, or shame, bitterness, intimidation, insecurity. She can't quite put a name to those feelings because they're a little bit more complicated to understand. Amen. And you know, that's why people who suffer from depression get offended when we equate depression to the basic feeling of sadness. Because it's not that simple. It's not a basic feeling of sadness that I can just shake off in the next moment. It's something deeper that has taken root on the inside of me. These are what I would call our complicated feelings. Amen. And these feelings are hard to explain and even harder to deal with. These are more insidious. Amen. When something is insidious, it means it's proceeding gradually and subtly, but has very harmful effects. Insidious. Under the surface, you can't see it, but it's causing so much damage. You don't quite know the damage that something like shame has done in your life and to your faith until it springs up into an ugly fruit. Hebrews, the scripture we just read in Hebrews tells us that. That when bitterness springs up, it defiles us. 
to defile. It's such a strong word, to defile, to damage the purity of something. Something as trivial as feelings when you catch them and you hold on to them and they take root on the inside of you. They're able to defile you. Amen. And they even affect our faith. And they're hard to shake off. Amen. Because when you're bitter with someone, it inevitably, it inevitably translates to being bitter with God. I don't know if you guys knew that. When you're bitter with a person, it inevitably translates to being bitter with God. You know, there was a song a long time ago that used to say, I can't remember who sang it, but I just remember it was so catchy. It used to say, you can't say that you love God and also love your neighbor. That's a total lie, right? You guys remember that song? What that song was telling us is that your relationship to God is a reflection of your relationship to people. You can't say that you love God, but you're bitter with people. Amen. If you don't trust people, you can't trust God either. That's what the author of Hebrews was pointing out. Because he starts the text we wrote by saying, pursue peace with all people. Because without this, no one will see the Lord. He knew what he was talking about. Pursuing peace with people is connected to us seeing the Lord. When you carry something like shame, you carry it into church too. Amen. When you carry something like shame, when your cloak is shame, you carry it into church too. For many years, I shied away from ministry because I, sh I carried my shame with me when I walked into church, like a cloak around me. I told myself, I can't be used by God. Sometimes we think that the feelings that we are contending with and our lack of progression in the kingdom of God are two separate things. But what I'm trying to show you today is that they are connected. Amen. That's what the Lord showed me a few months ago. It's all connected. You thought that those issues weren't tied to how much I'm going to use you in the kingdom. But it's connected. If you're about to step into more, you're going to have to shake off that cloak. Shake off that bitterness. Shake off that shame. Shake off that insecurity. Shake off. Amen. So once again, I ask you, what is your cloak made of? Is there something you have been carrying that's contending with your faith? That's limiting how much the Holy Spirit can do in your life. That's limiting how much God can use you. That's limiting how much you pray. That's limiting how much you read the word. Is there something you've been carrying that colors the way you see God? Amen. The last scripture... I want us to go to is in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 to 6 and then we're going to come back and read verse 7 to 8. Revelation chapter 12 verse 1 to 6. I don't know about you guys, but I was the type of Christian who was scared of the book of Revelation because it was too deep for me. <laughs> I was like, oh God, how am I going to understand this? But thank God for revelation. I read this scripture and it spoke uh, volumes to me. And it's a scripture about a woman that's pregnant. Amen. In line with Mother's Day this past week, allow me to use this scripture. But don't worry, men, this scripture is too relevant to you. Revelation chapter 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child 
who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Hallelujah. Deep. <laughs> so, I'm going to try to really break down this scripture. And I had to pray like, Holy Spirit, help me to deliver this the way you gave it to me. <laughs> so this piece of scripture is describing a vision that the author of Revelation has of a pregnant woman about to deliver her baby. She's not just pregnant, but she's in labor and about to deliver her baby. Before her stands a great dragon, ready to devour the child as soon as it's born. She has a son, and the baby is caught up to God. And then the woman flees into the wilderness, a place prepared for her by God. Amen. As I read this scripture, I likened this fiery red dragon to our feelings and the form that it can take in our lives. Amen. Because there's always a moment when the dragon was birthed in your life. A moment where you caught feelings and you didn't deal with it. And instead of working through it, you held on to it. You kept it. Every once in a while, you stroked it. You fed it. And it grew into a fiery red dragon that threatened to devour anything you tried to birth on this earth for God. I'm going to say that again and make it personal. When I read about the red fiery dragon, I likened it to my feelings. Because there was a moment that I caught shame, that I caught bitterness, and I held on to it. Amen. It became a dragon that threatened to devour anything I tried to birth on this earth for God. Amen. I tried to get into ministry, but the shame told me I wasn't good enough. I tried to build a deeper relationship with God, but the bitterness told me I can't trust him. He told me he might hurt me like so and so did. And in this dragon, in this text, the dragon represents Satan, right? And isn't that what he always tries to do? Takes our feelings, those moments of hurt, of pain, and distorts them, and then threatens us with them. Amen. I wonder, in a group this size, how many dragons there are. How many things are preventing us from more of God? How many things are standing before you threatening you? That if you just try to step into more, I'm going to devour it. If you just try to commit yourself more, I'm going to devour it. If you just try to believe more, I'm going to devour it. Threatening you every step of the way. Amen. Are we together? <laughs> and you know, this woman was in labor. And in pain. Right? It says she was in labor and in pain. She was carrying the curse of the first woman, Eve. Eve sinned and the Lord cursed her and told her that she would deliver in pain. This woman in Revelation was carrying the curse of the woman that existed before her. Some of us are battling generational issues. That's what I felt in this text. Some of us are battling generational issues. This dragon has existed in your family for generations. It kept your grandmother down. It kept your mother down. And now it's stalking you. Threatening to keep you down. Amen. And sometimes, when you've had to face the dragon long enough, when he's threatened you long enough, it becomes easier not to get pregnant at all. It becomes easier not to try than to get pregnant and try with fear watching you. 
with shame watching you, with insecurity watching you, with bitterness watching you. It becomes easier just to sit in the back and be quiet. I can't do it with this dragon watching me. I hope that under the sound of my voice, every believer in this place who stopped trying will get agitated to hope again. Amen. To try again. To believe again. To pray again. Because in this season, the Lord is calling you to more. It's time to cast aside that old cloak because the Lord is calling you to more. And he sent me here this morning just to agitate your spirit and to tell you that the Lord is calling you to more. More, more power, more authority, more dominion, amen, more of God. I feel like he's getting ready to change your name. Shame will no longer be your name. Depression will no longer be your name. Bitterness will no longer be your name. You're about to step into a season of thriving, a season of more, a season where you're about to be called blessed. Blessed. Hallelujah. I believe that because I dealt with my dragons, my children won't ever have to deal with them. I broke that thing off of me so that every generation to come after me never has to contend with this dragon. The dragon isn't just about you. It's connected to your children. It's connected to your family. It's connected to generations after you. If that dragon is stalking you, it's stalking your children. If that dragon is stalking you, it will stalk your descendants. Hallelujah. But here is the promise. Amen. Here is the promise in this text. Even though it seems like quite a scary text, there is still the presence of God in the midst of the dragon. There is still a promise in the midst of the dragon. Hallelujah. The first thing I want to say about the promise that exists in this text is that the presence of the dragon is a sign that hell is nervous. The presence of the dragon in your life is a sign that hell is nervous. It knows that whatever it is on the inside of you, that you're about to birth into this earth is going to push back darkness. Remember, your salvation isn't just about you. There are groups of people who are connected to your anointing. And Satan knows it. He sent that dragon to make sure you never step into more. Amen. Every time the enemy challenges you, you should celebrate. Because the enemy doesn't waste time with anyone who isn't a threat. Hmm. Nowadays, when the enemy challenges me, I smile because I'm like, thank you for confirming that what I've done has made you nervous. Amen. Every time I face an attack, I'm like, thank you for showing yourself that you're nervous. And you know that what I'm about to do is going to make you nervous. That what I'm about to do is about to challenge your dominion in this earth. What I'm about to do is about to challenge everything you're trying to do in my family. Amen. The presence of the dragon is a promise in itself. But hell is nervous. There is something great on the inside of you. You're about to birth something that's going to contend with devils. You're about to birth something that's going to contend with demons. You're about to birth something that has made Satan himself nervous. So he sent a dragon in your life to make sure you never step into more. Hallelujah. The presence of the dragon is a promise. The second thing... The second promise in this text is that there is always someone there to catch the baby. Verse 5 tells us that she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God on his throne. Amen. There's always someone there to catch the baby. When this woman delivered her son, the baby was caught up to God. Amen. You see, even in a hospital when a mother is about to deliver, she's never alone. There was always someone there ready 
to catch whatever she's about to birth onto this earth. Amen. She's never alone. God is saying, if you push, I'll catch it. If you push, I'll catch it. See, when you're birthing something for the kingdom of God, God is always right there. Even in front of the dragon, God is right there. Way to catch what this woman pushed out. Though the dragon threatened to devour her baby, God caught the baby. The dragon didn't get it. Right? It's a scary text. He stood there ready to devour it, but he didn't get it. God caught the baby. He protected it. He made sure it achieved what it was meant to achieve. Amen. He caught it up to himself. God is saying, if you push, I'm going to catch it. Amen. The third promise that I saw in this text is that the Lord blessed her in spite of. Amen. The Lord blessed her in spite of the dragon. You may wonder why God kept her in front of the dragon until she delivered her baby. Why didn't he remove her? I believe it was to show the enemy that I can still bless her in spite of the dragon. Right in front of the enemy, the Lord blessed her. Amen. Because no dragon can stop the blessing of the Lord. No dragon can stop the call of God. Right in front of the dragon, you have been called. Right in front of the dragon, you have been anointed. Right in front of the dragon, you have been assigned. Right in front of it. Right in front of your fear. Right in front of your insecurity. Right in front of your grief, the Lord has still blessed you. The Lord blessed me in full view of my dragons. He prepared a table for me in full view of my dragons. He anointed me in full view of my dragons. They couldn't stop it because right in front of her dragon, it says that she was clothed with the sun. Right in front of her dragon, it says the moon was under her feet. Right in front of it, she was still blessed. Amen. The dragon can't stop the call of God on your life. The dragon can't stop the anointing of God on your life. The dragon can't stop the purpose of God on your life right in front of it. The Lord is able to bless you. Amen. The fourth promise I see in this text is that the dragon was focused on the wrong thing. You know, this is how dumb this dragon was. He was busy watching the baby when it was really about the woman. He was busy watching the baby when it was really about the woman. He was busy watching what she was about to produce in this earth, thinking that the anointing was connected to the baby, but the anointing was on the woman. Amen. He was watching the wrong thing. It wasn't about the baby. God already had the baby. It was about the woman. Amen. You know, when these feelings keep trying to devour Everything that you try to produce for God in the kingdom. When this thing is busy watching everything that you're trying to produce, and maybe for years it's been watching everything that you're trying to produce, but it left you standing. Amen. It left you standing. The dragon didn't get you. He didn't get your anointing either. Amen. Tell your neighbor you still got it. You still got it. The dragon didn't get it. He was watching what you were trying to birth on this earth, but the anointing was really upon you. He left you standing. And I think that's the biggest mistake the devil ever made in my life. He left me standing. He was trying to devour everything I was trying to push out in this world, but he left me standing. He left the anointing. Amen. The fifth promise that I see in this text is that God banished the dragon. Amen. If we continue reading from verse 7 up to 9, it says, And war broke out in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Hallelujah. The text continues to tell us that the Lord banished the dragon. The woman didn't need to fight it. She escaped to the wilderness where the Lord had prepared a place for her. And then God stepped in. And then his army stepped in. And on her behalf, they slayed this dragon. Hallelujah. I believe that this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And I, I believe that this message is for somebody, that God is getting ready to slay some dragons in your lives and push you to more. To slay some dragons and push you to more. Hallelujah. Even in the midst of everything trying to devour what we are trying to produce in this earth. Even in the midst of being covered by this cloak that can sometimes appear like a dragon. Because this text says that Satan deceives the world. The dragon was just a deception. It was just a deception designed to make you think you can't push past this. You can't push past this fear. You can't push past this insecurity. You can't push past this shame. You can't push past this bitterness. You can't birth anything because I'm going to devour it anyway. It was just a deception. And the woman never had to fight it. The Lord stepped in and banished the dragon on her behalf. Hallelujah. As we are coming to a close, I would like us to also take a few minutes to pray. Amen. As I was preparing this message, the Lord was also ministering to me. And at the end of this message, I will invite anybody who is ready to step into a season of more to join me in the front so we can pray together. Amen. If this message has agitated something on the inside of you, if you felt that the Lord has been challenging you for some time to step into more, but you didn't know how to face the dragon, I'm going to invite you to come to the front at the end of this message so that we can pray together. Amen. This year, the Lord is calling us into a season of thriving. A season of plenty and progress. I want to come here and tell you that that promise isn't tied to your age. It's not about how young you are. It's not about how old you are. The promise is still true in your life. It's not about your background. It's not about what you did in the past. It's not about what past life you had and what mistakes you made. The promise is true for every single person in this room that the Lord is calling us into a season of thriving. A season where we expand our spiritual territory. Expand your influence in the kingdom of God. He wants you to be a pillar in his kingdom. He wants to be able to put some weight on you. He wants you to be able to be somebody he can trust. Somebody who can birth something on this earth. Somebody who can proclaim his gospel in this earth. Amen. And as he is calling us into this season of more, he is also calling us to change. We can't remain the same while God is doing something new. I know you survived some things in your life, but now God is calling you to thrive. More than just survive, God is calling you to thrive, to grow progressively. And he is asking you, cast away the old cloak. Cast it away so you can step into more. Amen. Though our cloaks can take many forms, Today, I really felt challenged to talk about our feelings. Those insidious feelings that work underground and spring up into ugly fruit in our lives, challenging when God is trying to step us, push us into more. The things that keep us stagnant in the kingdom of God. Those emotions that turn into dragons. 
I'd threaten anything we try to produce for God. Anytime you pray more, you get attacked. Come on, that's something to pray about. I don't know if you thought it was just a coincidence, but I feel like somebody here, every time they pray more, they get attacked. Every time you try to commit yourself more to God, you get attacked. Every time you try to read your word more, you get attacked. Anytime you try to take a step forward in the kingdom of God, you get attacked. It's not by coincidence. It's not by coincidence. Every time you try more, there's pushback. Every time you pray more, there's pushback. Every time you try to minister more, there's pushback. That's not a coincidence. Amen. Today, the Lord wanted to come and to contend with our dragons. Hallelujah. Your dragons have been contending with your faith. But today the Lord wants to show up and contend with your dragon. Hallelujah. I know it seemed easier to stop trying. Because the dragon has been there for so long. It's been there for so long it was easier just to stop trying. It looked so scary, so it was easier to stop trying. But the promise is that God is able to banish the dragon that ever tried to contend with you. Hallelujah.